Hey, welcome again. <laughs> so welcome to Tuesday at the Table, and uh, tonight we're going to be talking about uh, brokenness or being broken or something in that form and fashion. And uh, um, so let's let's pray, and we'll get started. And uh, so, Father, we thank you. We thank you for your presence. We thank you that we have a God like you. God, we are honored to serve and be a part of a kingdom that you have created to be just good. And I am so glad that we are a family in unity and being a part of it. God, I ask you to bless tonight. Lord, we worship you, and you are great and mighty. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we were talking about Psalm having, you know, five books that, that makes up the book of Psalms. And, and um, Psalm chapter 51, if you'll go there, and, and this, is, this is David after, you know, he, he commits adultery and murder and um, just does some bad stuff. And I, I love this. This is, for me personally, well, one of the greatest chapters in the entire Bible. Um, understanding David, um, how he was called in, into to being the king of, of Judah, being the, the king of Israel, and um, and knowing who David was as as a as as a son really brings light into that. He was not just um, the youngest of the seven. He was not just, um, you know, a little boy. David was a warrior, man. David, he was a shepherd. And shepherds in, in those days were, they were not passive and timid. They were, they, they fought bears with switches. And that's, that's literally, they had a staff and some type of sword and of course, David, we know, was good with a sling. And, and these slings are not, you know, some kind of something you buy at Kmart and, you know, throw around. I mean, these things threw over 100 and something miles an hour, and, and David was lethal with it. Uh, David was so lethal that, you know, of course, he killed Goliath with it. And, and I've personally been to the, the brook where David got the stone out of. And um, seeing these rocks, I mean, they're, they're nice you know, river rocks that are about a little bit smaller than a baseball. And, and I could see how you could cave somebody's head in with one of those things. And when you've got a, you know, a, a four-foot sling, and, and you can heave that thing, as we say in Alabama. Put some heave on it. Wow! You know, I remember as a kid just, you know, making my own little sling because we didn't have nothing to do. We were, you know, uh, either working in the hay fields or tearing up something. And so we just uh, would just have fun. And I remember having a sling, and man, I could throw a rock. I couldn't hit anything with it, but man, I could throw a rock fast. And so I could imagine what it would do to, to somebody's forehead throwing that thing. If I could, you know, did in the side of my grandmother's car by accident, uh, I'm sure it could dent somebody's forehead. Uh, but David was David was a warrior, and I love to see this side of David. Um, that David was a warrior before God, but yet he walked just unashamed. You know, we get these these 
men of, you know, mighty men, and they're full of pride and full of arrogance, and they're just better than you type mentality. But David didn't, wasn't like that. David stayed humble. For most part, he stayed humble. And the Bible clearly talks that he was a man after God's own heart. But what, what made him? What made God, David a, a man after God's own heart? And so, um, let's talk about that for a second. Why, why do y'all think that? Do we, do we have an extra mic? Or are you going to get one? So be, be thinking. I want you to really think of why you think God spoke that about David, that, that he was a man after my own heart. Faith. Somebody said faith. Well, what does that mean? I mean, that's a pretty blanketed. He trusted in God 100%. He, trusted in God 100%. Okay. he what? He did pray to him a lot. Yeah, repentance, contrite heart. Yeah, yeah. He did have a heart for worship. Well, you definitely understand that. Um, what else? I'm looking for a key scripture, and 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 I, I love it because it's scripture. Um, the Bible says that um, God saw David, and and. The scripture says David wanted to please God, okay? Well, there's a difference between me telling my kids, go clean your room. That's one thing. That's just obedience. But what if they did it because of honor? Or what if they did it because they knew that's what I wanted them to do? See, David wanted to please God. That's why... He was after his own heart because he didn't do it because he, the law told him to. He did it because he loved God and he wanted to please him. See, David was a man that you didn't have to tell, hey, I want you to do this. David was already eager to do that. See, that's, that's living by the law. David actually lived by the Spirit because that's what the Spirit in us makes us do. We, we go before the law. We supersede the law because we move by the Spirit, and the Spirit overthrows that. It's over the law. That's why we're not under it anymore because we live by the Spirit. And David was able to move by the Spirit of God and that's why he could please God because he... Um, <laughs> I lost my voice for a second. Because <laughs> God knew that David was out to please him. And, and that's, that was the um, really, really... Bless you. Uh, really what I, I saw in David and, and it was just a, a really a, a, a eye-opening moment for me a long time ago I was putting a sermon together and, and I just I was like man this is David wanted to please God and it, it wasn't a, a thing of obedience but a, a thing of just submissiveness and man I just, I just love that Yeah. Some people that didn't take the 
Yeah, I mean, people frown upon when you dance naked. Yeah, <clears throat> he was just so confident. <laughs> he was confident, <clears throat> and, and he was confident because he knew who, who he was worshiping. Yeah. You know, uh, and that was that was the thing with with David. He he didn't have no restraint. You know, and, and that's why God loved him so much because he just he was he was he was who he was supposed to be. You know, we can operate in who we're supposed to be a lot easier than fake it and all that other stuff. You know, people like fake it until you make it. Well, no, that don't work for God. It's, he can see your heart. And so you're just lying to yourself if you're thinking that's, that's going to happen. And that usually don't work out with heaven so good. He did love out loud. I love to see David. I love to read about David. And he wanted to please God. That's, that's what it was. He wanted to please God. Everybody else was just trying to obey God, but David wanted to please God. And so you do, your obedience changes in that. When you want to go to work, you're more productive than if you're just doing it for a paycheck, right? I mean, your whole, your whole attitude changes. I mean, like Chris is a chef. I mean, he loves to cook. Apparently, we just had some fantastic spaghetti, you know? <laughs> And it, and it shows in, in the productiveness of, of who he is because he is passionate. he's passionate about it. And David was passionate about serving God. So let's look at this in Psalm 51. It says, To the choir master, a psalm of David. So it, uh, it says from David. And you have to watch these in Psalms because not all of these are from, uh, from David. It says, well, when Nathan the prophet went to him, and so when he had him and Bathsheba. So it says, have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. I'm, I'm reading out of the ESV. It says, according to your steadfast love, according, uh, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse, cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgression and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you alone, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in my iniquity. And in my sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. And sometimes they say secret place. Purge me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let, my, let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Who broke the bones? Hide your face from my sin, and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a clean heart of God and renew a right spirit within me or is steadfast. Cast me not away from your presence nor take thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. It says, Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guilt, O God. O God of my salvation and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. 
Oh, Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice or I would give it. You will not be pleased with burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O oh God, you will not despise. Do good to Zion in your good pleasure. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then will you delight in the right sacrifices and bring in burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. Man, that's a, that's a powerful scripture there. That's a powerful chapter. I mean, God uses his glory for those things that are just perfectly broken. And in here you can see the brokenness of David. And, and, and we know that God forgives David. We, we know that. But just the heart cry of David here in his brokenness. And, and God moves in such a way. I mean, that is just incredible. And I love this by, by David. It says the sacrifices of, of, of God are a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart. That contrite heart literally means to be turned. It's it's uh, it is. I want to look it up in Hebrew, but the um, internet's a little slow. To be crushed. A broken and crushed heart. To be crushed. I mean, that's... Yeah. Just to be broke to pieces. He says, and you will not despise it. How many times in your life have you been just broke? And God has just moved. I mean, some of the powerfulest moves in my life with God is just when I was so broke and just down and just had no other place to go. I mean, that's it. Um, you know, when I was, uh, I was injured in Afghanistan and, and I spent... Um, total of four years in physical therapy and and um, I was the first six seven months I would um, I would beg God to kill me at nighttime and I didn't want to live anymore and it was so hard on me and I was broke like I didn't know that I could break anymore I didn't I didn't want to be here. Um, and and, and I, I would read the scripture. And, and I'd read it and read it and just memorize it. And this scripture, I, I would remind God, God, you can't, you can't despise this. You can't look over this. You can't dismiss this in my life. Because I can't be broke anymore. 
I'm at the all-time bottom. I don't want to be here, God. And his presence would fill my home, and, and he would walk through my kitchen knowing that I couldn't get up and chase after him because I would. Because I couldn't. I really couldn't walk. And, um, and he would just tell me just to keep going. Just to keep going. And so I did. And, and it wasn't, wasn't a day. It wasn't months. It took a long time. It took a long time to put the pieces back together of brokenness. And there's two places that you can go in brokenness. And that's bitter or that's whole. And I've seen people go down both roads. We all have. That people just get bitter with heaven and know and, and, and think that, that God won't move on their behalf. And, and sometimes that God don't move. But is it, is it our right to have a say-so in that. Absolutely not. It's our right to pray, to intercede, and to do what we can. But it's by His almighty sovereign that He does what He wants to at the end of the day. That's being broken and humble and staying there. Absolutely do we have the power to change God's mind. Moses did it enough. To show me he can. Absolutely. But I do not have the right to get mad when he don't. Is that right? We don't have that we don't have that pleasure to be mad at the Creator. If I build a garden in my backyard and one day I decide to bust it up and the plants die that the plants have a right to say anything to me because I created them. No. Because they belong to me. God has a right to do what he wants to. People sometimes often believe the opposite of that, that God is here for me. Well, I beg to differ. We are here for God. That's why we are created. We are created for him and to bring him glory. Amen. That's a good, man, I don't know why. I just, sorry about that. So we talked about the sacrifices he accepts are broken and contrite. It was the breaking down of Jacob's natural strength at Peniel that got him where he could, where, where God could clothe him with supernatural power. And we're going to jump through some scripture. Um, it was the breaking of the surface of, at the rock with Moses at, at Horeb. It was the breaking that, that let the waters out so that the people in the desert could drink. Something had to be broke. When the 300 soldiers under Gideon broke their pitchers, and all knelt down or bent over or prostrated themselves. They broke. 
It was when the poor widow broke the seal of the little old pot. We know that story well. What was that, 1 Samuel 2040? Maybe. I forget. And being that broken, that lady was so broke. You know, her husband died. Talk about that story. Her husband died, and, and um, the bill collectors come and said, Hey, you owe us this amount of money, much of money. And what has she had? Man, a little bit of oil, that's it. And what happens? The prophet says, Hey, go get jugs from everybody. And when the oil stops, you'll have enough. Or the pots run out. The oil never stop. She ran out of pots. Imagine that. You were not prepared enough for the blessing that was, was going to come. And she ran out of pots. And then the oil stopped. But it was her brokenness that God saw. It wasn't her abilities. wasn't her son's but her brokenness, her brokenness saw heaven. And I love this, when Esther risked her life and broke through the rigid etiquette of a heathen court, that she obtained favor to rescue her people from death. He's talking about a, a pride check. My life is on the line. If I walk in this court and he does not raise this scepter to me, my head is off. She risked everything in her brokenness for her people. Did God despise it? Yet again, we see not. I love that. It was when Jesus took the five loaves and broke them that the bread was multiplied in the very act of breaking and fed the 5,000 so much they had left over. It was Mary that broke the beautiful alabaster box. The box was broken so bad it was, it was useless. I love that story about Mary and what she had saved up for so long. In this, when I was putting this together, it was this is what got me. This is this is what got me. And I could only think about the value of what she broke. I mean, she had her savings. She had her investment. She was invested into that, that, that those perfumes in that, that alabaster box or that jar, whatever it was. It could have been multiple things. I don't know. I know that alabaster was not in that vicinity. It come imported from up north, somewhere in Turkey or somewhere. But it was her willingness to, to break such an investment and to anoint somebody with it, to pour it out. 
a one-time use. That was it. I mean, the disciples had a fit. They had a fit over it. She says, you don't know what I'm doing. You don't know what I'm investing in. She found the jewel in the field and sold it all. She invested in the field. She was so broke that day. I mean, I could only imagine what her heart felt that day and the brokenness she felt. I don't know if heaven gave her some supernatural revelation of what was about to happen. I don't think that happened. I really believe that she saw an opportunity to bless the one that changed her entire life. She probably didn't know the depths of what she was doing. And sometimes we don't have to. Sometimes we know things are right and we do them. Just like David did. David wanted to please God. Nobody told her to do it. She did it because she was broken. She did give her all. That's all she had. She was a prostitute. I could see her just, what do, what do I have? What do I have to give? Everything that I've saved was, is right here. Everything she has, she, she broke at the feet of Jesus. That tells me right there she is 100% invested in what she's doing because she gave it all. She was the first to give everything she had. Mary of Magdala. Magdala means fishing tower. Right on the west side of the Sea of Galilee. Probably knew a lot of the disciples already. Maybe the disciples knew her well. We don't know. But to see that brokenness in her, yet again, God didn't despise it. One of the most well-known stories on planet Earth. I, I cry every time I hear it. That song, Alabaster Box, man, it just, man, my face will stream. And it was with Jesus allowed his precious body to be broken. All to pieces by thorns, by nails, by spear. That his life was poured out. For thirsty sinners to drink and live. Hmm. All through scriptures we see a pattern of something being broken. We see a pattern that God moved on every one of them. The scriptures in Psalm 51 hold true that it's never, it's never despised by God. He moved every single time. Every single time.
as a seed is planted in the ground in its death is the only time that it can bring life. And the first thing it does, it's, it's broken. Oftentimes in my life, we have to be broke to such a, such a point that we feel like we're dead inside until God gives us that water that brings forth that, that life from the death that we have. And I love that because we can't, we can't come to God perfectly. We can't do that. We come to God broken. I've never seen somebody come to God and have it all together. I don't think I've ever seen it. But I've seen thousands and thousands of people come to God weeping and crying, knowing they need a Savior, knowing that their life is a train wreck of brokenness, and they need a master that, can, that knows how to apply the water and know when the seed is dead and to bring it back to life. Oftentimes in, in Mexico, uh, a lot of the brothers will um, preach upon a, a piece of corn and they'll take a piece of corn, they'll put it in their hand and they'll, they'll cut it. And they'll cut it again in four pieces. And they'll be like, hey, what's this good for? And they're like, nothing. Make it, grind it up, make a tortilla. That's it. So we'll grab another one and put it in our hand. We're like, what's that one good for? He said, I can plant that. I can grow more. I can grow more. And I can multiply. He said, I can't do it when it's cut up. He said, same thing if you divide your faith into the world and to God. You can't do nothing with it. But when it's whole, God can do something with it. We can work with that. But you can't can't cut your faith in half. You can't cut it by thirds. You can't cut a slice off of it because it don't work no more. I love that about God. God demands for us to be all. I mean, <laughs> I don't know how this is coming to my mind. Um, my wife got a piece of pie one time and I reached over and scooped a thing out of it. I didn't realize she could get that mad over a piece of pie. And she said, I wanted the whole thing. And I was like, oh, maybe you did. And, and, and that was the, the key. It's like a little, I preached, my, my gospel brain goes off all the time. And I'm like, man, that'll preach there. You know, and, and I was thinking she wanted the whole thing. And that's what God wants. He wants the whole thing. He's not going to share um, I was at a church one time, unfortunately, that this pastor said, it's okay, God don't mind sharing his glory. And I about had a fit. Uh, this old boy was fit to be tied. Because I am not a passive individual when it comes to what I believe, because what I believe has been tested and tried. And in the desert of life, uh, there's certain things that I, I am absolute on. And that is one thing I am absolute on. And God is not going to share his glory at all. 
um, to hell with the devil, and we are going to worship Jesus. And so, but, man, she wanted that piece of pie. <laughs> but that's how God is. God wants us to come to him and him alone. When our faith is divided like that piece of corn, what can I do, son? What can I do? You are putting your faith in something else. You're putting your faith in man. You're putting your faith in something else. You know, it wasn't long ago uh, I sliced my thumb up in my lathe. And, and for an instant, I was like, man, i got to get a Band-Aid or something like that. And, 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 and in our, I mean, instantaneously, I caught myself and I held my hand up to heaven. I said, God, touch my hand. Because I want to be, that's my first. That's my daddy. When my boy, my kids get hurt, they come to daddy. They don't go straight to the Band-Aid box. They come to me to put the Band-Aid on. We have to be able to figure out life that will first and foremost, we go to the Father. And then if he decides go to the doctor or get a Band-Aid or takes a NyQuil or something else, that's fine. But do not pass the Father first. I've chased my kids down. What, what is wrong with you? Well come, well, come here. Come here. Let me look at it. Don't y'all do the same thing with your kids? Come, come here. Let me look at that and see how bad it is. That's the same thing the Father wants from us. No doubt in a father's heart, he's going to let you pass by without checking it out first. Don't, do not give the devil that chance and the opportunity to do his voodoo with it. Heck no. Raise your hands to heaven and, and let father have a look at it first. And I love that about our God. He's such a nature God. And if you don't understand what that means, a, a nature God, I, I want you to take some time and look at that and, and really realize what that means. I mean, he, he is full of love. I remember Jazz one time, she was up on stage one morning fixing to pray and for service, and, and she talks about chesed. And chesed is the um, Hebrew word for love, and I have done a lot of studying on that word. And, and, and to me... What I see in Hesed is my daughter used to make that, what's that stuff called, that slimy stuff? Slime? Slime, right? That stuff that I did not like. That stuff was just so tacky. Get off everything. Get it on your hands. You couldn't get it off. You had to, like, slap it together to try to pull it all off. And if you got on something, oh, it's just horrible. Well, that right there is the ideal word for Hesed. It is sticky love. It is absolutely chesed. The chesed love of God is a sticky love. Everybody that you hug, everybody that you come across, your love just sticks to them. God's love is sticky love. That is the best explanation I can give of God's love when it comes to the totality of, 
of words when they all come together and you break them all down and it literally produces that definition and I love it. Um, yes? That's funny how you mentioned that because I was thinking of that exact thing too. I was <laughs> you got a mic? Today. I don't know. Seemed like it was today. Hang on, Becky. Let, let people at home hear this. Um, when I was driving home, that's exact same words. I was thinking sticky love. That Come came on. to me. It was this this that kind of sticky love that God has for us. I mean, it's amazing how you use that because that's exactly what I heard today. How His love sticks on you, and you can't. Right. You won't come off. And it's so right. It don't come off. It, it's just a gooey, sticky, just all over. And But when you mentioned that, it, it just reminded me of that exact same words today I thought of. God's love is that exactly sticky love. Yeah, that is, and it's so good. It is. It truly is. I mean, that's the best definition I've I've ever heard or come up with. And it, it's incredible. Um, and uh, but that's that's the love of God, and in the brokenness, He will not despise. And I love that 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 David understood that at such a crucial time in his life, and he knew what to do. That's the thing. I have I have sinned in my life. Yes, I have sinned. I'm sorry. Uh, I will sin again. I hope I never do, but that might it might happen. But I don't like to sin because sinning displeases God. And there's one thing that I want to do in my life, and that's make God smile. I want to make Him happy. And I think David had the same idea. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I'm just going to do it. I'm not, I don't want to be the guy that has to be told to do something. I want to know in my spirit. I want to hear from heaven. I want to be led by the spirit of God that, that I don't have to be told what to do. I don't have to be led by God to go pray for them when they're weeping and crying. But it's natural. It's the nature of God to help out those in hurt. You know, it's it's the brokenness that we see in people, and God don't despise it. I love that. God loves that. And David understood it. That was the best thing about it. Sometimes we overlook things in our life and we grow and we can forget times in our life uh, I, I remember times in my life that man I was on an all time high and then it's like I look back and I'm like I want to be there again how did I get there oh I remember I was so broken in my life that God come and intervened and he pulled me back up on the mountain I see my father owns all the mountains And there's a prophet that says, you know, we just go from glory to glory. 
But mountains, every mountain has a valley. Because if it wasn't no, wasn't no valleys, it'd all just be a mesa. And those are kind of cool too. <laughs> I know we hit mesas in our life, you know. But even a mesa has a sharp cliff. And so, but that was just a little bit tonight that what God had given me about brokenness. And if you do, you look throughout the Bible, the scriptures will produce a, a pattern of broken people that God has intervened in their life. Um, and that's, that's, that's it. God does not despise brokenness, and we should not either. Do not look past someone who is broken in their life. I think that just displeases God. I really do. If he don't despise it, if he don't let it, let it go, we shouldn't either. Take the opportunity when brokenness arises in your own life and the life of others and take that opportunity to show that Hesed love, to show that sticky love and just go over there and slather it on them. And just let, it, let that oil flow from your life. Be poured out. Be poured out. <laughs> Sound like some Sanford and Son type tune there. <laughs> so, what do y'all got to add? Somebody's got some. Somebody's got some good stories somewhere. Awkward time. Somebody's thinking. Come on, Julie. I know you got some stories tucked back in there. And that. Oh, I know. You do. You may not want to talk about it, but I know you do. I feel broke without my family. I'm so sick. I miss my mom and dad both. And I know, I know they're in good hands. It's hard not. It is hard. Yeah. <laughs> they don't argue with me too much. Right. I ate my bread and I brought it to bed. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> didn't get to it quick enough. <laughs> you know, I was talking to somebody just this past week. Um, they didn't love the Lord yet. And uh, kind of kind of told me they didn't want nothing to do with my God and, and my religion. And being a quiet guy that I am, I said, well, I don't have religion. I just, I worship this, this guy, and his name is Jesus. And, um, and, and we were just, just talking about all his problems. And I said, you know what? Everybody has problems. Everybody. And they're all different. But nobody's problem is greater than the next. I learned that the hard way one time years ago. And God looks at them the same. Whether you have cancer or ingrown toenail, God's, it's a big deal to him because it's a big deal to you. 
So don't think your problems are not are, are minuscule to God because they're not. They're important. If it's important to you, it's important to God. Remember that. You are important. And when you find yourself broken, what does that tell you? It means you're in a good place. It means because heaven is bound by his own words to respond. It means you have given him no choice but to act upon his own words. Then heaven's duty must be called upon. That's what heaven is obligated to do. Holding to his words. I guarantee he will walk through that door. And heaven will move upon your behalf. That's why I love Jesus. Because to this day he has never let me down. You hear me brother? That's right. Amen. Then you're in a good place. Hallelujah. Steadfast love, brother. It wins every time. Yeah, man. Hallelujah. That's right, brother. That is right. Who else got something? Nobody. So many stories. Man, I can feel it bubbling up there. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I guarantee it. It does. Yeah. Right. Oh man. Oh, many times in my life where I didn't think God was there and He was there. Right. Uh, just an incredible man, and that just shows you the the mercy that He has in us. You know, it's like man, I was just so stupid. You know, no idea what I was doing. But his mercy was there. You know, there's been quite a few times that I shouldn't be here no more. Uh, and so, but he's just, his mercy was enough. And I'm so grateful. I am so grateful, you know. Because um, I don't think I would have seen the gates of heaven if he would have called me at that time in my life. And uh, so it's just, he's just so good. So good. Hmm.
And what a good God we have. Yes, sir. Definitely so. Um, you know, we know God don't test people with sin, but he does test us. And uh, sometimes, you know, we go through things that the devil just don't have anything to do with. Uh, too many people give him so much credit that it may just be our hard-headedness that God is just trying to grind out. It has nothing to do with the devil. It's just us. It's maturing. And in that maturing process is somewhat, it's not always fun. But if I know one thing, if Jesus had to endure the desert, what do I need to endure? Some kind of crazed maze of life stuff? I don't know. But, you know, we're not going to outrun the desert in our life. Too many people want to microwave and vacuum seal God up. I'm sorry. That just ain't how that works, you know, because um, he'll just put that thing on repeat, and you'll just keep doing it, just like that broken record that just scratches and scratches and scratches. And don't go to the next song. You're just still playing the same song. And so maturity is a tough one. Um, I wish we had more of it. Absolutely. Uh, my, my perspective of life, of life has changed many times, many times. And it's my worldview that changes with my maturity in God because I see things different. And when I mature again, I'll see things differently. And, and so it's oftentimes we, we sometimes get hard on ourselves when we don't need to because we just haven't matured yet. And we mature and we mature and we mature and we, we won't stop because nobody's going to arrive. And so, um, and, and I've, I've learned a few lessons in my lifetime uh, about maturing. And, and so it is, it's our, our perspective and our perspective can be changed all the time if we let God 
mold us in a way. And that's why I love when Jesus says, new wine requires new wineskins. And so the vessels need to be broke. And then God adds a little water to us, grinds us up, and remolds us again. And he can pour new wine into new wineskins. And so, he's just good. That's how it is. God is just good. Amen. Amen. Well, let's pray, and then we will eat some of that spaghetti again. So, Father, we thank you, Jesus, that you understood brokenness. You understood where we were in all our phases of life when we were broken and we were down. God, and you just scooped us up and you held us. And you continue to hold us to this very day as you was broken on the cross and your body was torn and and beat, you understand what brokenness does. And in that death of brokenness, life happened. Everlasting life happened. And God, as we walk through our own brokenness of life and alone and being alone and being broken, God, I pray that life Supernatural life will happen to every one of us. God, that you would seize the opportunity and you would breathe upon the spirit of man. God, we are so grateful for a God like you. That your Hesed love is just sticky. God, it's not easily to, to be removed from us. We are so grateful for it. We are so grateful, God. We love you, and we are so thankful. And we bless you. In Jesus' name, amen.